Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Welcome back to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. I'm Paul Wadlington. I'm joined by the man the Venezuelans called... <laughs> El Rey de los Burros. It means king of the donkeys. And in Venezuela, the donkey is a sacred animal because he will bear any burden. He will take any load uncomplainingly. That's Randy Boone. Welcome, El Rey. Thanks. I think I'm, I don't I, now, I, I do I'm sure think I was called, I'm sure I was called worse down there, so I'll take that. You were definitely called worse things. Uh, Maricon would be one of them. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do think you riding a donkey out to the mound when you do your relief innings, I did think that was a little culturally inappropriate. So if you'd like to apologize to the Venezuelan people. I, I don't. Well, <laughs> I think Hugo Chavez, though he made some mistakes, I'll admit he's made some mistakes. Just you must few. admit he is a great man, Randy. Just, just a few. <laughs> hey, did Not, you for know- Not for him. He's doing right. He's doing all right. Did you know Venezuela is sort of known not only in South America but in the world as like uh, sort of the, the 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 capital of beauty queens, like Miss Worlds and stuff? Yeah, no, it's very understandable. Was that evident when you were there? Uh, not really so much in the the athletic circles because we really just saw like cheerleaders and such that. Um, uh, let's just say they kept the uh, plastic surgeons in business. Mm. That's not really my style. <laughs> but uh, but yes, there. I mean, there are a lot of uh, a lot of naturally beautiful people down in that part of the world. Randy's other nickname is El Natural. It definitely, the natural, Randy. Do you speak any Spanish? Uh, my Spanish used to be pretty good when I was down there. Uh, I haven't really used it much, other than on construction sites from. <laughs> from time to time and uh, it's pretty much limited to you know only construction things but now i used to, i used to be able to get around pretty good um down in the in venezuela in the dominican when i played over there um the first thing i asked the guy our little translator when i got to taiwan um was should i even bother and he said no no <laughs> said, all right sounds good give me yeah. my note cards and uh you follow me around <laughs> Yeah, uh, I went backpacking in Turkey for about three weeks, and um, I knew how to say thank you very much and hello, but all the Turks just wanted to practice their English. So, yeah, well, I mean, most, I mean, honestly, in the in the newer quote unquote newer cities uh, like up around Taipei, I mean, if if somebody was under, say, forty, I mean, they knew English. You're fine. Yeah. 
uh, worst case scenario, you use your phone and kind of did like a little translate deal. Yeah. Uh, you really, you really only needed it down on the South side of the Island where I was, which was an old like fishing community. Um, and like cab drivers and such, because typically they were tend, you know, tended to be a little older. Yeah. Um, actually so cab drivers speak. in America don't speak English very well. Yeah. They're the same. Yeah. <laughs> we probably should institute the index card system here. It's like, Hey, I'm going to go here. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting place for sure. But uh, no, my Spanish used to be a lot better. It's not very good right now. You know, the, the so. people that uh, get intimidated by international travel, they're always like, oh, I don't speak the language. And it's like, well, I, I hate to break it to you, but mostly you're looking for a place to sleep and something to eat. And if you mm -hmm. walk into a restaurant and they hand you a menu or you go and look over the bar and you see what they're cooking, you can point to it and then they'll give it to you. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. And, and if you want to like stay at a hotel or a hostel, they're a hotel. So they're used to travelers and travelers speak other languages. So, you know, the daughter of the proprietor will speak English. There was a time where grunts and points were the language, Paul. I mean, that, uh, the heyday everywhere. of the American every, male. Every, everywhere. When um, That's how American males communicated up until like 1963. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, then I'll Roger Maris broke Babe Ruth's record and everything went to shit, Randy. <laughs> Damn baseball. Freaking baseball is responsible for so many atrocities. I don't want to talk about it. It just pisses me off. Right hey, there was not are. an atrocity in College Station. The Texas Absolutely. Longhorns, despite uh, some occasional fielding mishaps, put it to the Aggies. The Aggies, not a great baseball team this year, uh, but for Texas, it's 15 in a row. What's going on with this team? Yeah, 15 in a row, man. You know, caught a little heater. Um, confidence goes a long way in that game, right? Um, I, I'm still of the opinion that they need to clean up the defensive miscues a little bit um, or a lot of bit moving forward. But, um, I mean, you're seeing the arms really kind of come to the forefront. I mean, their their staff numbers are starting to, you know, we're, we're to the point now to where, you know, people are what they are, right? Um, I still love the the Morehouse move uh, to the end of the, you know, the end of the bullpen as a closer. Um, I think his stuff's unbelievable. Um, the The last pitch of the game was filthy. A little backdoor cuttery through at 94 or whatever it was. Um, but, I, I mean, they got arms. They you know, got some options. I, I, you know, they're kind of trying to figure out this whole middle third starter type deal or whatever. But, um, you know, they're, they're for the most part, they're, they're really only getting into troubles when they don't throw strikes, which in college baseball is – you know, kind of the name of the game is, you know, it's why, why a lot of those guys end up in college and, and whatever, you know, they, they have the stuff, maybe not the command um, or it's just, you know, environment. I mean, it's a tough place to play over there. Don't get me wrong. That's one of the, one of the, the tougher places to play in the nation. But, um, and if, if, if these guys throw the ball over the plate, they're in good shape. And and like I said, I mean, we're not playing great defense behind them, and their numbers are still really, really good. Um, well, so. so listen to the SEC Network announcers. It's a cathedral of baseball, that 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 baseball stadium. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, Randy. And A&M is one of the most tradition-rich and historical baseball programs in, in the state of Texas. I'm not – if you could have played at A&M, do you think that would have been the ultimate fulfillment? Uh, as Because you had to settle for playing, like, for the Texas Longhorns and winning a national championship, going to the College World Series all the time, blah, blah, blah. You could have been an Aggie and played at a cathedral of baseball. 
Yeah, they they got on the SEC promotion a little <laughs> bit, a little heavy there for, for my taste. But with, hey, with that and, much you know, fellatio, next, do you think someone next, slipped those announcers like 150 bucks at the end of the broadcast? Holy and cow! Next, next next year they'll be spinning it our way, so and I'll just wait for that to to happen. We we're gonna but, become what we hate. Nah. You you so think our, it, so our, our is our crowd ever gonna chant SEC at people? I sure hope not. I think it will happen. I hope it's done ironically. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I'd do it to the Aggies. But how, but how do you know? Oh, that's, that's the point of good irony, Randy. Have <laughs> I told Have I told you the story of my father-in-law all the time? It, uh, you know, uh, Yetis or whatever. It's like keeps drinks hot or cold. He's like, but how does it know? <laughs> that's awesome. That's my that's my irony joke of the day. That's great. Uh, actually, I got sent a Twitter. Uh, video the other day because you know my son's nine I told you he's 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 likely to be a pitcher so two things here's how I know he will be a pitcher potentially Randy I've already told you he throws hard and he's uncoachable these are two attributes that make a good young pitcher right fantastic fantastic starting point uh that guy hit my stuff last time I'm gonna come back to it but throw it harder right that's a good young pitcher's mentality right that's pretty much it I'm gonna throw it through the bat screw this so we're in the backyard playing catch and my son likes to catch the ball. And I'm, I'm sorry, I can't show you guys, but he likes to catch it like this. Randy's mm-hmm. nodding. Cause he yeah. knows what palm, I'm talking about. Palm up guy. Palm up instead of, and I'm trying to show him. Cause I even made a brilliant parental uh, metaphor or comparison when we talked about the karate kid. And I was like, do you remember, uh, sand to floor where you motion your arm like that? That's how you should catch a baseball. You want to be, Glove out, palm out, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, the reason is that ball is going to, first of all, you're not going to catch it as often. And that ball is going to skip up your glove, travel up your glove and hit you right in your mouth or your, your nose. I'm saying when you, when you play catch with him, you got to aim right at his chin. He'll, well, he'll learn, he'll learn I, pretty quick. I did that because I'm a good dad. I didn't throw it my hardest because I'm also no, well, a, yeah, a good dad. Yeah. I mean, I have told you before, I've been timed in the high 60s, low 70s at a county fair. It's, he- it's heavy, though. Heavy ball. Well, here's the thing. I'm not technically proficient. Obviously, if you taught me to pitch, <laughs> I'd be a 95, 97 guy. You know, 97, like when I really need it, you know, when I really need to dig down. Rob Dibble type shit. Uh, have you ever seen the Rob Dibble highlight of him throwing the ball at the base runner <laughs> purposely? Because <laughs> the guy hit him. <laughs> I haven't, thought about, I haven't thought about Rob Dibble in years. <laughs> he was the best. A, he was an what idiot. A, what a random, random. Yeah, no. It's... Just when you think I'm completely ignorant about baseball, I drop a Rob Dibble on you. I feel like you and Rob Dibble are a lot alike. <laughs> we have some similarities, sadly. <laughs> so I do uh, throw the, the ball, just like you said, and it does travel up. And it does. What yeah. he does, actually, is he backstops it with his free hand which prevents his mouth from getting a bloody lip, but it hurts his hand and his wrist and he's crying and he's mad at me. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I, this is why I'm telling you to do that. Or it really would help you. And, uh, this is when I knew he might be a pitcher. He said, I'm going to keep doing it my way, but I'm just going to do it better. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is, you're, you're a, you're a young pitcher. Now around age 20, you'll learn there might be a different way, but 
Yeah. Uh, this is you're you're tracking. You're you're yeah. right on perfect nice. developmental progress. Yeah. No. Throw, throw hard. I know better than you is a good place to start. You know, yes. He'll he'll figure some things out later, but uh, but yeah. And then the other so thing pretty, I saw that's a pretty typical development there. The other thing I saw baseball related is I got sent a Twitter video and it's a little kid and he's he's trying to hit it. He's got it set up on the tee. You can tell he's about to try so hard. And the dad says, hey, remember, keep your eye on the ball. So the kid bends over and puts just, his eye on the I've ball seen, yeah, and I've then swings one. the bat and hits it. <laughs> just like, I was like, man, that's so speaking of irony and literal, uh, that kid is literal. He's not ironic. Very much so. Uh, so, like, what's up with Texas? Look, we obviously started the streak beating a bunch of JV teams, but now they swept Tech. They beat a bad A&M team. Look, winning is winning. It's got to do something to instill some confidence. So, so I think last pod, I kind of touched on it. Um, I mean, I think Gordon's throwing the ball very consistently. Um, you know, he, I mean, the the showing against Tech was really good. Um, as the Friday guy, you'd ideally like to see him eat a little more innings, but I, I think he's just like kind of a high pitch count guy. Um, that's just kind of who he is. So, you know, you, you may see him be the six inning guy. Um, hopefully he can get a little bit more efficient and, and get into the seventh and even the eighth to where you, you save the bullpen a little bit more. Um, Staley didn't have a good outing last outing, but he's thrown the ball, ball really well of late. So that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to throw any red flags at one, you know, kind of off start for him. Uh, LeBaron's thrown well. Hurley's thrown the ball really well. I mean, he was a little off with his command last weekend. Uh, but I really like what he brings to the table. So, I mean, you got you got four guys there that, you know, you feel pretty good starting. Um, like I said, I mean, they're still kind of trying to figure the bullpen thing out. I, I think Morehouse, especially if he can kind of get used to the relief role, maybe tone down a little bit of the uh, the adrenaline and uh, and get in the zone a little more consistently. I mean, this stuff's stupid. I mean, it's, he's 94, 95 with a little natural cut. Really good breaking ball. Um, you know, they played pretty – well, they played really clean against Tech on Friday night. Yep. Um, then Saturday and Sunday, they sort of had to bail themselves out late for for multiple reasons. But um, honestly, all that being said, um, I'm just really appro- uh, impressed with the offensive approach over this this deal. It's it, They've kind of settled into, I think, what they're going to be. Uh, there's a little more power in the lineup than I thought. Um, you know, you got Galvan kind of, th- you know, throwing some thunder in there here and there. Um, you know, as a freshman, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a tremendous average guy throughout this year. He's still learning, but uh, you know, you make a mistake, he'll make you pay. The top of the order is swinging the bat really well, getting Powell in there. He's played a really good defensive third base, and he's swinging the bat unbelievably well right now. Kennedy's swinging it well. Campbell's starting to come around a little bit. Hey, let me let me stop you on Kennedy. Mm-hmm. He's the best. He's the best. He's been the best athlete on the Texas baseball team for three years. Yes. Uh, he's also he's developed substantially as a hitter. Uh, how good is Eric Kennedy? Like, I don't have an eye for judging. Is this a major league baseball player? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, that'll be de- dependent upon his ability to handle breaking stuff uh, at the next level. I think. Is that um, like athlete, the is that the rule yes. for every every prospect I mean, on yeah, the planet? To, 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 well, to an extent, I mean, there's a lot of guys there that can't hit a fastball. Yeah. Um, or or a you know a side of the plate they struggle with, and it and it you know you get to a certain level and it becomes you know sort of exposed. Um, but but for me, I think I think he'll handle right-handed pitching from just from what I'm seeing. I, I don't mean I don't see inner squads. I don't see anything. 
Uh, I think he'll hand, he'll handle right-handed pitching. It's it's can he hit left-handed pitching or be elite enough to where, you know, he ends up being kind of like a platoon guy, um, you know, where he you know he just plays against righties type type thing. But uh, I mean, it's it's one of those situations, man. If 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 he can just fight it off into the six hole, he's safe. Yeah. If he gets, you know, even if he gets beat on a pitch or whatever, if he if he can just fight it off on the ground, he's got a chance. I, I was curious, can I have the opportunity to shit on the Aggies a little bit? I'll go for it. All right. They're oh they're one and five in SEC play. They got their asses swept by Tennessee. They're playing a series this weekend, Randy. They're playing Ole Miss, which is an opportunity to get back on the right side of the, the equation in yep. Kyle Field at College Station. I keep saying Kyle Field. They pitched seven dudes against Texas. Is not not the ultimate Aggie shit ever? Like, what are you doing? So, I mean, yeah, there's two ways to look at that, right? You got, we didn't extend anybody beyond what we should have. Because I'm is, is that series a Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Because it's Friday, they, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, because so I know this. It's not as a, egregious. The SEC does a lot of that with travel restrictions or whatever, where, you know, they, there's a lot of their series that are Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Well, they um, got to focus on classwork. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. That's sun, the Sunday, um, Sunday classes, but, um, yeah, both the old, both the Mississippi schools are zero and six. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, I mean, you know, they're hungry coming in, you know, A&M's hungry, um, uh, to try and kind of get, get righted. But, uh, I mean, they played probably the best two teams in the conference the first couple weekends so i don't know, see I, I i think they're i think they're searching um as well and i think they're kind of i think texas has kind of got their footing as to what they want to be moving forward and i think AM's probably still trying to kind of figure that out i i saw they got a guy back today in their lineup that was a you know a big part of their team last year moving forward so i'll be interesting to see i mean i, I don't think they're a bad team but i, th- I think they're kind of Average to slightly above trying to sort of get their footing. So my midwit take on shitting on them for seven pitchers is actually not a very good take. You're saying it's not a big deal. Well, it, like I said, depends on what it is. I mean, if it's, Hey, we had a 75 minute eighth inning or however long that thing lasted and we couldn't get anybody out and we couldn't figure it out, then yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a problem. Um, but if it was because, Hey man, this guy's throwing 15 pitches. He doesn't have it today let's get him out of there and save him for the weekend. And then he's that's fine. Probably, that's, that's probably a valid reasoning there. All I right. Just, well, Schloss, my, my attack Schloss, didn't Schloss work the way little, I was. Schloss was a little O2, two out mountain visit there, which they were very complimentary of because they seemed to think that he was uh, strategizing about our potential first and third play. Um, I'm of the opinion that that was a 100%. Hey, this has been a 45 minute inning, and I'm going to make Texas pitchers sit over there for another 12 while I sit out here on the mound and talk to this guy. Um, I think that's got a lot to do with why Gordon didn't come back in the game because it was such a long inning. Because I, I thought that their game plan was probably for him, him for two, only throwing 15 pitches, but I don't know. You know what? what it is. That's a great insight, and in, that I didn't even occur to me as just sort of a you know, mediocre baseball fan. That's great insight. I didn't realize that that was a freeze out. Is that, is that a common I mean, they, thing? Oh, hundred percent happens all the time. Oh, I all, didn't even know all, that. 
offensive timeouts happen. I mean, it's you get two quick outs and whatever. It was it was Pierce did or uh, Pierce did kind of a, a similar thing there um, on the pickoff at second um, in the ninth, uh, where they challenged the the pickoff at second. I I don't know. He may have thought the guy was out. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But it gave the two guys that he had just gotten up in the bullpen time to get loose. Mm. And it gave Moorhead, in my opinion, time to sort of let's calm down a little bit, refocus and go. And if the guy's out, Hey, bonus, you know, here we go. But yeah, there, I mean, the, the, the manager can swing things like that, you know, momentum stops and shifts like that. But uh, like I said, they, they were very complimentary of his, strategy there um that may have been why he went out there i don't know uh i'm of the opinion that he went out there to stall more so than to talk about what was actually about to happen you shouldn't always judge a book by its cover but schloss strikes me as a turd that opinion is out there and shared by people yeah he's a good coach though i mean he wins games i mean that's that's the name of the game right i mean He's hired to win games, not be the most popular guy in the world. But well, uh, the the Tennessee Volunteer Manager proves that every year. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I mean, he's not really well liked. Um, And the the big thing is, I mean, do your players play for you, and do you win games? I mean, it. You know, fans can have their opinion. Everybody else can have their opinion. But I mean, I I think Pierce gets some of it as well. I mean, it's people have their opinions of of. Everybody. I mean, there there are people that probably didn't like Augie. There are people that don't like Skip at OU. There are people that don't like Tadlock at Tech. I'm sure, and they go out and win games more so than they lose. So yeah, well, them winning a lot is. might be part of the reason they're disliked. Very true. Very true. Hey, so, I have a, you know, I have a is random. What, is, is what it is. I mean, I mean, I played for guys that a lot. You know, a lot of managers that the team loved, and we weren't very good. I played for managers the team loved, and we were very good. Uh, play for managers the team hated and we were good and the team hated and we weren't very good. So it just. So I've, I'm a team chemistry can be overrated guy, uh, per, particularly in certain sports, because the Oakland A's would you would literally fist fight each other in the dugout. And it wasn't like, oh, we're both competitive and scrap like they hated each other. There was dudes who wouldn't talk to each other. Barry Bonds was despised by all of his teammates. Uh, they're still kicking ass right i think baseball and basketball to an extent are sports to where individual play can override a lot yes i don't think football has that aspect unless your individual player is and i'm not i'm not saying the 05 team was at odds with each other but unless you have vince young yeah or johnny or johnny menzel or insert crazy, stupid, athletic guy that can take over a game here. Um, I think Base, football, is, baseball football requires, a, football requires an, a yeah. much, much more team-driven aspect. And, and well, I mean, baseball, I mean, you, everybody can hate the pitcher, but if that guy goes nine shutout, okay. Yeah, I mean, Just don't talk. Don't talk to him in the locker room for the next six days, and then exactly do it again next Friday. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I talked to you over there. I got a slight delay on my Zoom, but no, um, you're good. Baseball is a series of individual matchups disguised as a team sport. Hundred percent, yes. Correct. I mean, 
now there are there literally is a thing in baseball called a sacrifice, right? There, I mean, there are team constructs, but it's a pitcher against a batter, yep. and the pitcher is what? What percentage of your defense is a pitcher? 80 percent, eighty five. I mean, d- depending upon the style, I mean, I would say anywhere from sixty five to ninety five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing, and football most of the guys out on the field are sacrificing so that someone else makes the play. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting psychology. Hey, let me ask you one baseball question. I've always, it's always nagged me and I've always just kind of wanted to know the answer to how good. So Texas, when you were there winning the national title, you were loaded. You guys were particularly loaded as in the pitching room. Um, Crazy talent, a team like that, how good would they be? In what I'm not delusional enough to think that you guys could have played major league baseball, but what a level are you good or competitive in minor league baseball? Double A. Okay. Because double A baseball is damn good. People don't understand. Like hey, hey, the the talent level at a high level, and this isn't to say that you got it figured out playing day in, day out, 144 yeah. times a year. That, that's a whole different animal than playing Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But the talent level of a high-level college player is a lower to mid-level double-A thing, in my opinion. But the double-A uh, player might be 26 years old. Very true. Could be. And, and, he, and, he, could, and he could be 18 and just freakishly talented. Yeah. Um, I, I think double-A is where the skill set separates um it, you, you get a you know in, in in the a balls you sort of figure out who you are as a player and all that kind of stuff and double a to me you know the skill set separates of that's where you kind of see the freaks start to start to emerge or the people that are just really really consistent mm-hmm. um triple a was a little different right when i got into and I, and I was in the AL East organization, so we, we viewed everything a lot different. AAA was a holding cell for insurance policies for us. I mean, it, when you got to AAA, you were basically an old veteran guy that they would have zero problem throwing up there. It, it really wasn't a developmental level. Like oh, the, the, no the way. Dudes, the dudes were in AA. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean it, it just and, – and that's why when people say, you know, hey – you know, how how far did you get? Well, were you with the twins? Because you were the twins. Triple A was their you know their their stud level where the, where they sent the prospects to figure it out because there was a lot of experience there. Got it. AL East, you didn't have the luxury of trying to figure out what guys could do because somebody went down. You're playing the Red Sox. You're playing the Yankees. You need somebody in Triple A that can step in. And you know, four A type guys, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, so the strategy was a little bit different, right? Um, but I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm not saying that you could drop 04 Texas directly into you know Double A baseball, and you know, we'd have wreaked havoc on everybody. But it, we wouldn't have looked out of place. Let's put it that way. You would have been competitive. Yeah. So because let's see. I mean that that team. I mean. J.P. Howell was in the big leagues within three or four years. Uh, Lakeer was up there pretty quick. Street was up there in like that season or the next one. 
Jay Brent should have been just kind of had some bad luck throughout the deal. Um, then you had McCullough in a big first rounder, me, Yates, both played a long time in, in double A ish with Toronto, which like I said, I mean, <laughs> whatever, but I mean, we hung around a long time. Um, man, who am I missing? I mean, I mean, there's a guy, I mean, Matt Goodson was a guy from over in, uh, ah, man, Baytown or somewhere just east of Houston. Um, and I mean, he threw like two innings that year, um, was basically the inner squad guy and was dominant in inner squads and ended up getting a triple A with the Red Sox and barely pitched. Um, it was, I mean, there 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 were arms and, and dudes that knew what they were doing. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting tons of guys. I mean, but it was a it was a very 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 deep and talented pitching staff for sure. Because well, I've always wondered because you hear the idiots. I mean, quite a few idiots, including like professional journalists who should should know better who cover the sport. Well, they shouldn't know better, but uh, they'll say all the time. Ooh, Alabama, they could beat the Colts. And it's no. like, no, the Colts would kick the shit out of Alabama. You don't understand yeah. sports. You don't understand football. You don't understand anything. Um, yeah, baseball. I've always wondered that about baseball because I mean, there is an element of baseball, which is a trash team will beat a very good team, one out of 10, two out of 10, easily, right? I was going to say, I mean, you take uh, what's <clears> the, Air, the Air Force guy that just transferred to LSU. Yep. Uh, Skeens. Um, uh, you trot him out there tomorrow against insert big league team here, and he's got his stuff, and he's sitting 102 with a wipeout slider, and he's on. He'll beat it. He'll he'll beat a big league team. He's not good enough now to where he can do it day in or start in, start out because they'll adjust, and that's what it becomes at the big league level is you you start to know how to attack holes and this and that, whatever. But I mean, that, that's kind of the difference between baseball. I mean, you take Alabama, like, Hey, we're clicking on all cylinders. If you're playing 11 dudes that are just more physically mature and better than you are, you're not beating them. No, but in baseball, you toss a guy out there on the mound that can shut somebody down. You got a shot basketball, same way. I mean, you get a guy that's on a heater drops 35 on somebody. You, you got a shot. There's the famous uh, dream team scrimmages between the college all-stars and the dream team and the dream team's dicking around and they they're losing the scrimmage and then they get regrouped and they, they, yep. they go on like a 50 to 10 run, <laughs> you know? So well, that, I mean, that becomes, that becomes an adult versus a boy thing, right? Yes. To a, to an extent. And, and that, that's, I think that's where baseball's a little different where it, um, it, it skews more towards golf where, Hey, if your skill is on that day, mm. It, it doesn't matter if you're 12 or 40. That's a great way to describe it. I love that. Well, I know a skillful guy that our listeners need to listen to and pay attention to. His name is Gabe Winslow. He's the best at what he does. In the mortgage industry, he's in the big leagues, Randy. But he's not going to big time any of our callers or anyone who writes him. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Uh, Gabe's a really good dude. He's very sharp. He's great at what he does. Uh, go read his Google reviews, go listen to all the dozens of people that have raved about him. When I post on inside Texas, uh, really good dude. Give him a call. If you need a mortgage, the world is, uh, going a little crazy financially right now. This is a good time to talk to him. And also speaking of another one of our great sponsors, David McClellan, uh, he is 
absolutely fantastic at what he does. Talk about a Longhorn maniac. And if you know Inside Texas, if you follow that, he's the guy that's updating us on our swimming and diving championships every uh, every year. And Texas was in a, a dead heat with Arizona State and Cal. Uh, you know you have a good program when you're ranked third in the country as you know, halfway through the results and everyone's pissed off and screaming and, are, yeah. and saying, what's wrong with our program? Uh, we're, we're disappointed. That's yeah. right. Well, no one ever says that about David. I'll, you'll have, you'll hear his information uh, later in the podcast. Uh, and so anyway, just wanted to thank those sponsors and the best way you can support us and frankly, support yourself. Give those gentlemen a call. They will help you out. All right, Randy. Uh, I want to talk about hoops because I'm pissed and I'm sad. Um, I wanted the right to play the UConn team, which will probably beat us in the final four in Houston. Uh, but I, it's basketball and I've seen plenty of basketball upsets and I, I have so many emotions and feelings about this game. I, I'm going to just start off. I'm not the officials are the problem. The refs are the problem in the Texas Miami game. Not just in the second half, but a couple of times in the first half. But we didn't notice because we were scoring on every possession. I think the officials manufactured 10 points for the Hurricanes. And by doing that, they allowed them back in the game where we then managed to sort of not finish the game and blow it. And so in a sense, I don't blame the officials totally, but I blame the officials for taking a 15-point margin, cutting it to four, and then we did the rest. Is that a decent analysis? I, I agree 100% with that. 100%. Um, we had three clean blocks that were called as fouls. Yes, at least. Um, so it's kind of been an issue all year, right? Closing out games. It, we sort of kind of, and even even the last round, it just, we kind of build the big lead and then we don't really just ice it away. Um, but I, I don't disagree with you at all that, that was assisted a little bit by uh, by them. So what what's your take on the officials aside, Paul Wallington's take on on what happened late with with us? Like why why did we struggle to score? So no Dylan DeSue. Agreed. If, if he was in the game, he would have scored uh, eighteen points on eight of ten shooting. Yep. He also would have defended the rim because we were extending on the three point shooters and did a beautiful job on that. Uh, and they of course were driving. And they were posting up. DeSue would have been a significant deterrent. Uh, he's not Patrick Ewing. He, he wouldn't have had nine blocks. But he would have had three blocks, and he would have altered several shots. Um, that hurt us. Marcus Carr's collision hurt us because he got a pretty bad Charlie horse, you could tell. They then shifted point guard to Hunter, who wasn't really ready for it. He wasn't in that rhythm. Um, and we had some turnovers, some issues there. Uh, Jabar, uh, Sir Jabari Rice. I don't think most people know that he hurt his quad pretty badly. Yeah, he, yeah, he was he was hobbled pretty good. And then Carr felt like he needed to take over the game late, doing the best he could. And I get it. Like I appreciate a guy who will assume the burden late in the game, but he needs to understand he was hurt, and that that wasn't our best chance to win. Um, I will say, from a coaching perspective, we did two things that kind of pissed me off. One, uh, Mitchell, their wing, the six-seven wing. They call him a guard. He's he's a small forward. He did not make a jump shot the entire game. Jerry Hamilton pointed this out in his post game, and he's absolutely correct. He scored every point on a drive or post up, 
you've got to make him hit a jump shot. You, you cannot allow this guy to score 27 points off of the same things. Uh, the second yeah. point was, and this is minor, at around the five-minute mark when they're making their run, we came out for one possession in a 1-2-2 zone to stop their penetration. They scored on it. We immediately got out of it. I don't like the message that that sent to our team of like, we're, we're, we're losing it. Let's try something crazy. Like that's not who this team has been or who we are. Um, I don't know. Those are my gripes. So two, two things on that. I, I agree with you on the car aspect. And, and I've been, I mean, me and text messages and on here, I've been as critical on, on him, but I mean, he's, he's that guy that will frustrate you twice and then be great down the court three times in a row. Right. I, I just saw him as the only like to take control. Yeah. You know, it seemed like everybody else. I mean, I I'm all about making the extra pass and, and all that good stuff. But I, to, to me, he just, he sort of, everybody looked to him and I think he tried to fill that role and he just couldn't, um, especially on the defensive side. You just, you could tell that he he and Rice both were not able to to defend to the level that that they are typically able to defend to just because of their health. Well, what you saw in the first half, they defended yeah. pretty well in the first half. Yeah. Um, and it, and even Hunter, like I think I think as hard as he, as much energy as he expended um, in the uh, the Sweet Sixteen game, I mean I think playing again in two days limited him because he played how many minutes did he play in the speed 16 game it was a lot 35 yeah and he was in their point guard face for yes. all 35 of those minutes yeah um so i think that kind of i think that got to him a little bit just and you can say overuse whatever but i mean I, I don't disagree with the strategy of of playing him that much i'm just saying i just think it caught up with him a little bit more i mean i, I don't know that he was injured but i think he got gassed a little bit late so then you're now all three of your guards are limited on the defensive end and i, I was talking to a buddy of mine he's like well miami just created created so well off the dribble late yes they did and they hit a bunch of big shots a lot of fadeaways that are you know damn near impossible to defend but I just think our three guards were either a hurt or just limited defensively because of just being a little bit gassed. I got to say too the the inability to understand the spirit of the rule and the actual rule really pissed me off. The Brock Cunningham blockout. What they're effectively arguing, and by what I'm referring to is late in the game, balls up yep. on the board. You know it's coming down. Uh, their big rebounder is sitting in the middle of the lane. Brock is directly under the basket where he cannot get the rebound. Get so it. he does what he's supposed to do, which is back his ass up, block out and grab a board. They're arguing that when the ball is on the rim as a rebounder, you are not allowed to move or change your position if the guy behind you might jump up in the air and you quote unquote undercut him. That's not the intent. That's not what an undercut is. You and I know what an undercut is on the basketball yes. courts. I did it in Gregory Gym once accidentally to Lance Blanks, by the way. And that was, I felt really bad about it. And when he got up okay, I felt much better. But so just to clarify this for everybody, because this is something that I learned a long time ago over the back is not a foul in basketball. 
that it's not a thing. Like it, athleticism of you being able to jump straight up and put your arm over the guy, yeah, is not a foul. Like I, I, that's what I've seen like multiple times. Like, oh, it's over the back. It's over the back. No, no, over the back is not a thing. It's a push, a hold, or you like climb. That, them. That's that's yeah, climb whatever. Anyway, but but physically jumping up over a guy that cannot jump as high as you <laughs> is not a foul. So the the problem there is not with it being that guy being over the back. It's yes, you're correct. It, Cunningham was in a position underneath the deal. He started to back up. The only argument that I could see is he probably should have shut it down about three, three back pedals before he did. And I think he would have been fine because I think he had effectively cleared out what he wanted to do. Uh, I still don't think it's a foul on him, but I think if he had shut it down there, car would have tipped it over and we'd have been fine. But anyway, that, that's just one of the things that, that I, hell, I used to yell at all the time. It's like, and then I actually had a buddy that's official. He's like, you know, you know that's not a thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's the, the actual mechanics of a foul in basketball is basically push, pull, hold. Like well, the, the equivalent physically, is physically jumping higher than somebody else and tipping a ball backwards is, is not a penalty. The equivalent in fan ignorance is how many times have fans screamed at you that you balked. Oh, yeah, 100%. On, yeah. on a basic move yeah, to, to first yeah. base, right? Uh, it's like, that's not a balk. He, he's allowed yeah. to throw over to first base. Yeah, it's fine. No, like I said, I, I, people out there, I am as guilty as you are of yelling that as, as much as possible. But yeah, that. That that's just the biggest thing that I've seen is like no, it it would not have been a it, it shouldn't have been a foul on, on on Cunningham in my opinion. Yeah. Um. But I don't know that it. I don't know that the K State guy did anything wrong. He he jumped straight up and and whatever. But I just I just don't think it's a foul on anybody. Like he was getting blocked out. He jumped. Couldn't reach the ball tough. You know the the Miami guy. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Miami guy. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong. Uh. Yeah, that that uh, K State team. Holy cow! Where did I come up? Where did I come up with K State? Man, I don't, I don't well, you watch that high that. quality of basketball between K State and FAU, and it just oh. stuck in your mind. <laughs> well, yeah, that that side of the Final Four is going to be a interesting watch. I mean, what is Texas's luck that they we, we drew the UConn and Miami side, right? Um, you know, I would have liked to have played FAU. I think we would have been fine. I would have liked to have played San Diego State. As ugly as that would have been, San Diego State would score 39 points against Texas. No, I agree. 100%. Um, yeah. No, in I, any event. I, uh... Hey, I, I want to bounce something off of you because I think the internet has trained us that everything either is amazing or sucks. Yes. So Randy Boone, when he pitched for Texas, was amazing or he sucked? When in fact... That's, that's probably not far from accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, an individual outing where you pitch six innings, uh, three runs, seven Ks, and two walks. And people are like, he sucked. No, he was amazing. Actually, you were you pitched pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah, you were, you, were, you were solid. Good yeah. job, Randy. We, we yep. won yep. six to four. Yeah, somebody um, being average doesn't exist anymore, right? No. And so I want to talk about that with respect to overachieving and underachieving. I think the Texas Longhorns basketball team exactly achieved their potential. I agree. Now, the Actually, draw could have made that deceptive. The, they could have played for the national title if they'd been on the other side of the bracket. 
they could have won the national title, in my opinion. Yes, 100%. I mean, yeah, anything's possible. Yeah. Could, could yeah. Texas it, outshoot it, UConn? They sure. they were in the echelon of teams that were right there. Yes, but with that being said, I think the limitations that they had, you're pretty much right where you thought the cookie crumbled in a way that was within the fat part of the bell curve for this basketball team. Uh, and I, I don't I would agree. I don't judge it by well they got to the elite eight or they they should have made it to the final four. Well that that's the draw. They don't control that. So so in your in your opinion, college basketball, what what defines a final four slash national champion team? It varies year to year. That's the thing that people I think don't control for very well, Randy. The 2004 Texas national championship team, okay, in baseball, would have crushed many of the teams that won national titers, titles in later years. Hmm. Okay. I also know that Augie has won some national titles, probably at Cal State Fullerton, where they were not the best team in the country. Yeah. Uh, baseball, especially, the best team in the country does not win the national championship. We said, I mean, you, you said 04, you mean 05. But yeah, I mean, in, sorry, in 04. Sorry, 05. It, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, 04, uh, in 04, we were better than we were in 05. 04, in, yeah, and, 04, you guys were really good. And we ran into Fullerton, who threw – two guys that were just freaking unbelievably on fire. Um, good luck. Yeah. Well, and so my point is uh, college basketball, first of all, has improved greatly for some of the reasons we talked about on the last yeah. podcast. Much, much, much older experience sport. There are, there are, I mean, you know, people are gonna be like, oh, he's such an old, oh, this is Gen X talk. The Duke national champion, their last national champion that Krzyzewski had, could not have made the Sweet 16 in 1990. Okay? Yeah. And so the quality of teams changed. So when you say what defines a Final Four team, well, uh, compared to what? Depends on what year. What yeah, it era. depends on the year. Yeah. Compared to what? I mean, that's generally the most sophisticated take you can take on anything. Oh, our, you know, the police are too violent. Well, compared to what? You know, what, what is the alternative? Oh, this, this issue is a problem. Okay, I might agree. Compared to what? What's the alternative, right? There yeah. are no there are no solutions. There's just the better trade off. So I, I guess I, I guess to rephrase the question then, where where would Texas have needed to improve in your mind to say they underachieved making it to the lead eight? Oh, if they'd underachieved? Yeah, because I mean, you said I, I think we agreed that. That's, you know, about what we thought they should have done. Could have been better. Could have been worse. Where what would have been? What would have been the the key for the team to have lost that game and everybody been like, oh man, that that was a wasted opportunity. Well, it was a wasted opportunity, unfortunately. But the way Desu, we lost, Desu, be, Desu being healthy and a little bit better guard play, maybe. I mean, if Dusu is healthy and and we're healthy in game. Both Rice and Carr, I feel like we win by 11 points. And I think we yeah, cruise. I, I agree. I think we're getting ready for UConn, and we're talking about how can we can upset them by putting guard pressure on. You know, so one thing about so the you don't, big, you don't think you don't think it was necessarily a personnel issue. You just think it was more of a, a health issue then. Yeah, it was health. And I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I I don't. That was my. I guess where I was going with the question is: Do you think that we needed another piece, or we just needed to be healthier? 
Yeah, we need to be healthier. I mean, another piece. I, I ain't mad at. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, you're not gonna say no to it, right? Give us a freshman Carmelo Anthony, and I won't say no. <laughs> Absolutely uh, right. Yeah. Give us TJ Ford at point, and I'll I'll be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say this: Miami is incredibly dangerous, and and I think one of the things that a a jujitsu instructor told me once, and I Bless agree you. with what. I said, bless you. Yeah, exactly. Is all fighting is contextual. Okay. You could be the biggest badass in the world and you're in a street fight and you step the wrong way off the curb and you hit the back of your head and you're going to lose that fight. Similarly, uh, I was talking to an African uh, ranger one time during the day, a terrier a common terrier will tree a leopard, okay? A 15-pound terrier. A leopard that can kill a wildebeest and carry its 400-pound carcass up a tree, okay? At night, that same leopard will sneak into a South African compound with a kennel and methodically kill every Akita, Rottweiler, Pitbull, and German Shepherd in that compound just because they hate dogs. Same animal. All fighting is context. Sports are context. Miami is an incredibly dangerous, talented, unbalanced team that doesn't really play defense. No. They play passing lanes. And offensively, they're gifted. But they're unbalanced. So they represent, a, in a weird way, they might represent a more danger, more danger to UConn than we did. We'll have to see. Um, can UConn punish them more with their bigs than Miami Smalls? I, I yeah. suspect UConn's going to kick the shit out of them. But if Miami went small and just, you know, went to school on them, I could, I could see it happening. Weirder things have happened in, in basketball. But I would just say all sports are contextual. And so people are like, oh, you can't make excuses for Texas. You know, you play the team you got. Well, that's true. But I'm telling you, if Dylan D'Souza is out there, there's 18 to 20 easy points for him on 80% shooting. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think he would have been a deterrent at the rim. And I think we win the game and we're playing the Huskies. No, I, I, I think you're spot on there. I mean, I, I had a pitching coach one time that – I'm going to throw it back to baseball, sorry. but uh, God damn it his his biggest thing was you have to be smart enough to know when your strength becomes a weakness. Yeah, interesting. And it's basically the point of, hey, if you're Nolan Ryan and you're a high fastball guy, I don't give a shit who the hitter is. And if he hits high fastballs or not, you're throwing the high fastball, right? But if you're average big league pitcher that likes to you know, ride his fastball up, and you face a team that's got six or seven guys in it that like the fastball up, maybe worth looking at a alternate plan of attack, right? Yeah. So, and he, I mean, he he pitched a long time in the big leagues as as a lefty that was not a stuff guy by any means. He he really really knew his way. He knew how to. He taught me more about how to navigate lineups, uh, which is something you hear Maddox talk about a lot when if you ever listen in any of his interviews, um, you know, he's got the famous quote of 
they asked him how you pitched to Barry Bonds, and he said, "You don't. You got to get twenty-seven outs, and he's not one of them." Yeah. <laughs> and so it, you know, it, that that was one of the biggest things that I took away. It was unfortunately it was later in my career when I when I ran across this guy, but um, it's kind of the same thing in all sports. And to tie into your context thing, it's you know you do what you do until what you do can hurt you, right? Yeah. And, and you have to know where that point is. And, and I think to your, to your point there, I think Miami is going to attack, attack, attack early and try to get UConn in foul trouble. Yep. And if they can, it's going to play to their strengths. If they don't and they just get a bunch of shit blocked and they don't score because there's a yeah. bunch of trees in there, it could get ugly pretty quick. I, so I, uh, I have a financial interest in UConn. Uh, winning the national title i so before the i, well, I also a, bet texas so don't give me that shake of the head randy you're such a degenerate i am a degenerate uh but i know worse be, trust me i am oh, no, 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 i no, know no, much no. worse gambling degenerates uh when i was at ut the president of the zbt's fraternity the jewish frat at ut he he okay. robbed a bank on Guadalupe <laughs> because of his gambling bets and the ink packet that they stuffed in the sack of cash blew up in his car while he was driving home to like Houston to go visit nice. his family. And he was covered in permanent ink and got pulled over by highway patrol. So yeah, I, there's bigger degenerates than me. Uh, I know people who bet on cart racing. Do you know what cart racing is Randy? Unfortunately. Yes. Okay. I know so people. I, I probably who, know. Some, I know some of the same people. I, I know people who bet on women's basketball. How low do you have to go to bet on the, the freaking links, the, 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 the comets who, whoever, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed that you pulled two teams. out. out First of, of all, if like you that. bet on major league baseball, you're a goddamn degenerate. Cause that's, if you think you know, who's going to win a baseball game at the major league level, you're retarded. Uh, I'm not, not going to argue with you on that one. All right. So what I'm saying is that Major League Baseball is women's basketball. It's the same thing. I will argue with you on that. It's the same sport, and I'm glad we agree. Thank you, Randy. Let's go to the next subject. If you keep letting Manfred (laughs) change rules, it probably will be. Well, who's the guy that wears pearls? Oh, Peterson. Yeah. Ah, He's fine. Uh, uh, Baseball guys are weird. Just a little weird. Baseball guys are cool, but then they they do this weird stuff where – like, look, no, no. Most baseball guys are really cool. They have a good sense of humor. They're self-deprecating, but they don't enforce uh, like the proper conduct on each other. Which is, if you're if you have a Fu Manchu and you're wearing puka shells, one of your friends needs to pull you aside and say, "Hey, man, this ain't it." Baseball pitchers, baseball players refuse to do this to each other. So he's left-handed. It's not his fault. <laughs> okay, see, that's it. <laughs> that's it. You guys have certain yeah. archetypes. That yeah, if you do just, certain if, things, it's okay. Yeah, you just walk by him, you're like, oh, fuck, he's left-handed, so whatever. <laughs> but don't you owe it to your friends when you're like you're about to go out in college where you just look out over him and you go, hey man, you're dressed like a dickhead. You gotta go put on a different shirt. Nah, you just let him wear it. <laughs> I'm not that I'm not that nice of a person. <laughs> I take pictures so I can use it later in life. It's really what you're doing is a form of cruelty. And I was probably I was probably that guy a couple times too, so I can't say anything about it. I don't believe that. You're <laughs> You wore your, your red wings and a button-down shirt. Good yokum boy. Probably. Who knows? <laughs> the days what, are a little fuzzy. Were red wings still a thing when you were in college? I don't know that I've ever – I mean, I'm sure they're 
were, but I don't know. Like the probably. The, uh, okay, it's like the work boots. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I, I've never owned a pair. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm explaining a guy who works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Thank, thanks for pointing out. What, oh, those. Have you ever heard those. of a, Have you ever heard of a framing hammer, Randy? Are you, are it's like a little about... hammer that you use. On... <laughs> Some of the ones that have little straps you pull up with the steel toe, those, yeah, okay, those, I got. Uh, That's what they're called. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, we have not discussed uh, the great triumph that I was a small part of of uh, soapbox derby. I sent you some hot hot videos of my son's Cub Scout group racing each other with soapbox derby. Cards. Oh yeah, that was good. That was How good. sweet was I that? Mean, he smoked them by a lot. It was weird because at first I thought you were sending me a video of your church service. And I was like, I don't know, kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> and I didn't realize it was a video. And then I clicked on the video. I was like, oh, it's a soba. Okay, that makes more sense. Our, our but, whole friendship has just been a setup for me to, yeah, to worship, yeah. uh, to witness Jesus Christ to you, Randy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, he smoked them. That thing was hauling. Did you hide weights in the front like John Candy and uh, Cool Runnings? Okay. Listen to this, Randy. Um, no, we hid weights in the back. So listen to the physics of soapbox derby. For those of you who aren't familiar, soapbox derby is where you get these little race cars. There's little kits you can order. It's an awesome thing you could do with your son or daughter, uh, because you can give them the responsibility for like the design and how they want to build it. And you just kind of make sure they don't cut off their finger with a bandsaw. Right. <laughs> um, yep. so my son, Jake and I were like, I was like, all right, buddy. Do you want to make a cool car that's fun to look at and interesting or has a theme? Or do you want to build a winning car? And he's like, I want to build a winning car. So I was like, okay, here's what we're doing, buddy. So I pulled up some YouTube videos and this guy who's a physics professor gets into, so soapbox derbies, you start with the cars up at the top and they're at an incline and they run down a thing and, and they, you, you, uh, they get, miles per hour thrown up and all the stuff. And yeah, that's how you do it. And it's got like a laser finish. It's like a spark camp for football prospects. Well, the fact that they started an incline, you actually want the weight that you add to the soapbox to be about an inch in front of the rear axle. Because what you do is you elongate the fall. Meaning gravity is acting on the weight longer. If you put it in the front, it it tips and it's done. Yeah, no, it makes well, sense. it's not just that it tips. Literally, the potential. No, I mean, I, no, I was just saying, but yeah, the, the energy tips. Is That's it. Not not the car. Yeah. And so the cool thing about this is, I got my nine year old son who would otherwise like roll his eyes and tell me like go away if I tried to talk to him about this stuff. He's talking about he's learning about potential energy. He's like, what's potential energy? And so I'm like, oh, okay, let's talk about it. And he's getting into the design and we, we figured out that just doing a straight cut in the front, like a wedge, like literally making the car look like something you'd stick in a door, right? Uh, to keep it shut or someone from opening it. That's the best design. You don't want this super rounded design. People try to make it. And anyway, we got all into it. He did all the work. Um, he spray painted it yellow and called it yellow lightning. Um, and uh may need to work on the creativity a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll that's work okay. on that. But yeah, that's what we did. And he For got a bunch days. he got a bunch of trophies and he won his age group and he finished like third in the all-age group with the Boy Scouts. And he had a lot of fun. And 
and he, you know, he did it. You could tell a couple of cars were clearly built by the very proficient engineering dad and they won and Hey, whatever hats off to him. I don't care, but I'm, I'm shocked that that would happen. Oh, it's, it's like seventh grade science fair, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. You're like, I've built a, a nuclear fission reactor. And you're like, huh? That's interesting. I wonder if your dad, who's a professor at UT, had anything to do with this. That's amazing. You can't read and you did that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, uh, dads and moms out there, this is a great thing to do with your kids. You can order no, the little cool. kits when, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the last few things, Randy. I, I know you're still in, in small town Texas, so this is maybe not affecting it as much. But it's still one of the things where we're – comfortable assigning competitiveness and winners and losers to kids. Yeah. And it's done in a, in a healthy way, not a stupid way. Um, because a lot of that stuff, Randy, it's been removed, man. I mean, when I was nine and I played baseball, it was fun. I'm with my friends, but like we wanted to win the game. And if we lost, it wasn't like we still weren't going to get a slushy after the game and not. Right. No, 100%. Yeah. I yeah, wasn't valid. crying, but we wanted to know the score. And, and now we've got like no score leagues and I'm like, Hey man, I, there's a healthy medium between competitiveness and like, Ooh, just that you participated is the win. It's like, no, that's actually not a win that you just participated. I don't know. Yep. Going on no, the soapbox uh, here. Sorry. No, that's soapbox derby. You got to get on soapbox. That's right. Anyway, no. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm now the proud owner of a really badass scroll saw that uh, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law purchased back in the day when he was young because they got tired of getting their butt kicked at uh, at soapbox derbies. So Are you serious? They, they, oh yeah, no, it's it's in my wood shop. It's, it's a badass scroll saw, really nice. I was like, why do y'all have this? They're like, we don't ever use it anymore. I was like, no, I understand that. That's why you're giving it to me. But why do you have it to begin with? Because you know you're in the meat packing business. <laughs> like, why do you why do you have a scroll saw? That's why. That's they, awesome. They did two year two years of it and said, "Screw this, we're not getting beat anymore." Well, so, you, you know the they, true. They, they old... went. They went. They went. Uh, they went ham on it. You know the true old school soapbox derbies were. You built a car. Oh, legit car. Like that actual, the kid yeah, yeah. got in. Yeah. And you put them on a giant hill, and then you raced them, and they had these incredible accidents, and you know, kids yeah. getting you know all the skin ripped off of them. Those are the little rascals, right? Oh hell yeah! Yeah yeah no hundred percent yeah yeah. Just, Kids were much more gangster back then. Do you, uh, Def- definitely. No, I ne- we never did. There's no hills here. So, you ever <laughs> noticed that, uh, the dog and little rascals, Petey, he's a pit bull. I'm- yes. Pit bulls were the companion animals for children back then. Those were the days. Those were the days. Were the days. I think we, uh, well, as people altered, we altered pit bulls. And uh, not for the better. Although there's some really sweet pit bulls out there still, but man. Guided evolution. Excellent term. That's right. Read a book with that in it the other day. I was like, that's a good, good term. Was it about uh, baseball pitchers? No. Oh, okay. No, no, not, not so much. So but... now that we are in the spring and basketball is over... Please hold on. No, I gotta. We're gonna. We're gonna elephant in the room here. So you were on record back in the day. Yes. Rodney Terry, new head coach, Texas basketball. Thoughts as of three twenty eight, 
2023. So the historical record is that the interim coach does not work out more often, much more often than not. Now people say, well, many coaching hires don't work out. True. If you, if you compare the two, I think the interim coaches are particularly have a bad record of success long-term. Uh, there are some exceptions, but I mean, one of the most famous ones is Kevin Ollie from UConn. Yeah, won a title and then was gone like two years later or a year later. Actually, it actually took yeah. like five years. Oh, was that long? I thought because he was, he was so earlier. popular from the title, right. which people yeah. attributed to him rather than the team. Yeah. Um, that's He's actually really responsible for UConn basketball kind of going in the shitter for, for, for a quite bit. a while. Yeah. Um, First of all, I'm a Texas fan, so I want I want Rodney Terry to be the greatest coach in Texas basketball. Oh, no, I'm 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 right there with you on that. I just I was just curious to see if, if your thoughts had changed or if you're like, eh, I don't know. I just don't uh, know that there, I don't know my, my personal stance. I I don't know that you could have not hired him, and I think he did enough to earn the job. I mean, time will tell. Obviously, like, like with anything else. Um, but I think the things that he does well will play well here. We'll see. We'll see how it. We'll see where it goes. But I, I think he's got a shot to be be successful for a couple of years. And, yeah, and then, I think he's got a shot. Um, I think the changes in basketball with respect to NIL, the portal, uh, the constant re-recruitment of your team, it's good and bad. Here's the bad. If things start to go south for you from a coaching and leadership perspective, you're done. Very quickly. Because everyone can leave and there's no penalty. Yep. Uh, the positive is if you're seen as a guy that's good to play for and and you will also, and you means also the bench coaches, like let's be oh, clear. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, every, yeah, everybody. I mean, you 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 deal with those guys as much as you do with the, with the head coach probably. Well, so here's a dirty secret that I don't think people fully get. They get it in football and they don't get it in basketball. And sometimes they don't get it in baseball. You were a pitcher at Texas. Augie Garrido wasn't your coach. He was your boss. Very true. Okay. In football, people understand we got to get a new defensive coordinator. Oh, man, this offensive coordinator is amazing. Alabama fans still wax rhapsodic about Steve Sarkeesian. Okay. Basketball, there's an offensive coach and there's a defensive coach and they're your bench coaches. Now, some of those vary just like in football because, you know, your head guy may be a stud on either side or both, right? Rodney Terry's not a bench coach. He's the head coach. So he needs to, here's the crazy thing about being a guy like Rodney Terry in his position. He has to be unbending and unyielding about certain things that he wants from a leadership and program perspective. At the same time, he has to be completely egoless about some other stuff where he knows he's not the coach and he doesn't need to be tinkering with some aspects of the offense or the defense. And it's a hard line to know where to put your foot down. And it's hard to know where your time is best spent going and getting talent and letting mm -hmm. those guys do the coaching. That's a weird thing for people to hear. It sounds like maybe I'm being derogatory to rant Rodney Terry. No, I think no, I think you're dead on. But I think that's the reality, and that's it's not meant to be derogatory because talent acquisition, Jimmy's and Joe's, 
is Ma- the, matters is the, a lot in college basketball. It matters a lot in college sports. Well, in general, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, I hate to break it to you, Randy, but you guys weren't a bunch of gutty overachievers. You guys were yeah. pretty freaking talented. <laughs> well, I, brought, I brought it up a while ago. I mean, you throw Paul Skeens out there on Friday night, and uh, my daughter can go sit in the coach's chair and be like, hey, just try to keep it under 120 through your nine innings, and we'll be all right. Well, so that's the question. With all the distractions, all the stuff with Beard, I get it. Um, it's still – let's real talk. We had a team with six seniors – Oh, very, dudes very like Marcus Carr, who'd played five years as a starter of college basketball, like yeah. Rice. Yeah, this is a pretty Allen. mature basketball team, and 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 personally, interpersonally, they were a pretty mature group. So, yeah. people are like, "Oh, Terry stabilized the ship. These guys should have gone under." Eh, eh, eh. I don't know. I, I'm not saying he didn't, he, but with he didn't that, hurt. With the- but with that leadership in place, you would have liked you would like to think that it would have happened anyway, right? That's yeah. where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you think the staff stays intact? I hope so. Uh, I think that there may have been discussions between CDC and Rodney Terry about that because you know, look, when you become the head coach, you deserve the right to do it your way, even if it's to cut your nose off your face, right? You want to go hire your boys or people right. you have built relationships with over the years. Um, and sometimes that can be to your own detriment. Sometimes it works. I don't know. You know, it's his, it's his program, but I think he needs support. And, you know, he, he wasn't a head coach at, at that moment for a reason. You know, he'd, he'd gone and coached before. It wasn't a big disaster. Like, you know, people, again, we're getting back to the internet. Rodney Terry, yeah. oh, he was actually amazing because he improved. Look at Fresno State in year three. Yeah. It's like, no, he wasn't. He didn't suck and he wasn't amazing. I, I would say he was a good head coach at places that were hard to recruit talent to. Probably. I would say he was fine. Yeah. He was fine. Uh, because for every Fresno State, I've seen Fresno State play good basketball. Yep. And, Same um, with Utah. I mean, freaking Dusty May had FA has FAU playing yep. in the Final Four. So, and FAU has no program resources. So, other than Tom Herman, no, they have one huge program resource. What's that? And that's a drone photo of their campus. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Have you not seen their campus? <laughs> no, it's, it's like Hawaii, but it's in Florida. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's like. It's in Boca Raton, right? Yeah, it's like that's they, freaking awesome. It's nuts. Like it's right there on the beach. It's stupid. It's a. Uh, I have a, a good, good buddy. A good buddy. A good buddy of mine played baseball there. He's the AAA manager in Sugarland with the Astros now. And anytime he would bring it up, I'm like, eh, sh- sh- I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> We're done. Like, that's yeah, great. Cool. You got to play baseball on the beach. Yeah, Pepper, I. I had a buddy, we went to a business meeting once when I was in the corporate world in Boca Raton. It was actually a reward trip. It's one of these reward trips where you kick ass. And so they, they mandate that you fly out for three days and you stay in a nice place, but then you do a bunch of business meetings and you talk about how awesome you are. And it's like, this is not rewarding or enjoyable at all. So could you just give me the cash equivalent? That would be preferable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or just stayed- fly me out here and leave me alone. Yeah, so we stayed at this amazing resort in Boca Raton, but we never got to like enjoy much. Um, and uh, I was talking to a dude who lived there, and I was like, "What do you do? You like it?" And he's like, 
on the plus side, um, there's a lot of beautiful people. Uh, the beach is amazing. It's like on the negative side, it's Florida, so it's hot, flat, and dumb. <laughs> so I was like, I always remember that description. I actually think Florida has improved uh, considerably, but I would say so. Yeah, um, it's got more culture and it's it's more fun in general. But um, it is a flat ass place. I'll tell you that. Not not a whole lot of mountains over there. No, it's, no. It's There's no not, gentle not rolling lot. hills, and the pythons are running amok, Randy. I don't know if you've been reading that. I have not. You're, but are you aware? Surprise, it doesn't surprise me though. So you can get a bounty. For going out and oh, killing so, pythons, you can so bring pythons it. are like hogs here, like where you more, turn into a hog tail. Uh, more, um, more lucrative. I think you can get a couple hundred. Like they measure by foot the python, and if you get a female, it's you yeah. get a like a four x bonus, right? Because if you want to stop a species, you kill the females. The males are irrelevant, right? Um, any feminists listening to this podcast, we just scored some points, Randy. Yeah, we have a huge. We have a huge. There's a bunch. We have a huge feminist <laughs> listenership. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but <laughs> um, the, no offense uh, if you're out there, keep yeah, listening. So but, yeah, so <laughs> these uh these boa constrictors don't have many predators, and they're just going. They're running havoc in the Everglades and just killing everything and and breeding like crazy. So yeah, pythons and boa constrictors. I think it's mostly pythons, but Sweet. yeah, if you go out, if you're a good old boy, and you want to go kill some snakes. You could make a cool three, four hundred bucks on a good weekend. So, you so you're saying to... there's going to be a new a new TV show on the History Channel? I- I'm saying you were talking about like maybe us doing a March Madness in Vegas. I'm saying we go hit the Everglades. Let's go get an airboat. Let's go get some AR-15s and let's make a little money. I'm in. All right, I'm down. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna easily get lost. <laughs> Our airboat's going to run out of gas. We're not going to know how to get it started again. We're going to find the lone remaining Indian tribe in Florida. The last Seminole holdouts. Yeah. Now we're going to be, yeah. They're going to freaking scalp us and skin us. Now we're going to, we're going to, we're going to end up at a Pahokee high school football game. That's probably true. Good Lord. These dudes are amazing. (laughs) It's like, how big is this town? And you send in how many people to D1? (laughs) The best thing about Florida high school football, if you ever watch their highlight tapes, the stands have like 32 people. The, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. The field yeah. is like flooded trash. and trash and there's like they glass on it. And like they don't even have athletic periods in their like their day in, no. in school. It's nuts. It's just no. like, hey, you guys are really, really athletic. Go play football and then go dominate in college. And then there's these guys who like they go out in the summer and chase jackrabbits to work out. Like it's a legitimate thing in Ocala. Like if you can catch a jackrabbit, you're quick. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're uh, not only are you quick, you're, you're football quick. That's perfect. Yeah, that's no, that, that would make you a pretty bunch of badass. I've got a, a buddy uh, on the boards uh, inside Texas. Shout out to Veritas. He's a guy named Chris and he's, he's long held that if you want to evaluate the athleticism of your kid, just go watch him play tag for 15 minutes. And you'll know everything he's, you need to know about their attributes. He's right. Yeah. Because I've had people, so to include, because, you know, I, I'm kind of into the whole athletic performance and all that stuff, right? So I've written about it for years. I've written about specialization and cross-training and all this stuff. And I'm just fascinated by it in general, right? So I've had people write me privately saying, hey, my son, blah, 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 what should I do? What should I do to train him? And 
up to and include a guy who ended up going to Baylor and is going to be drafted. Uh, they, a, a family friend wrote me asking about this guy. He didn't end up getting a scholarship to Texas. And uh, he's a guy whose name is going to be called in the draft this year. Uh, all Big 12 player for, the, for Baylor. But he was a super skinny high school kid um, that had, was getting bad training advice. And so he sort of was a late bloomer because he didn't test very well uh, because his athletic trainer was obsessed with him, like eating clean and not putting on weight and just working on like quickness and not, not lifting heavy weights. And I'm like, well, this dude plays offensive line. He needs to be eating food and lifting heavy weights. And you know, this guy's like, yeah, his trainer's all in his head. And apparently he went to Baylor and they got that trainer out of there. And the guy ended yeah, up becoming all figured out pretty quick, but I would have dads write me and be like, Hey, my son's 11. Do you think I should have his muscles biopsied? And I'm like, why don't you just watch him run? <laughs> and he's like, well, but I want to know, like, what's his fast contractile tissue? And I'm like, uh, a way, another way to know that is to see him race other kids. <laughs> it's like, let's not make this too hard, people. Mm. So, yeah, if you want to know if your kid's athletic, uh, go watch him play tag for about 10 minutes. You'll, you'll know everything you need to know. All right. Uh, anything else we need to cover? We, we've covered a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. I just sort of threw the basketball thing at you there, but I, I was interested in your, your outlook on that. No, no I so. I, I'm, I'm glad you threw it at me. I, baseball I, it a, team's kind of on a roll. We'll see what happens and how far they take it. Yep. First road. Well, I said, well, say first road test. They won at A&M tonight, but. First conference road test coming up. We'll see how that goes. We'll see what the pitching staff does with if they treat that as a Gordon tune-up bullpen session on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. which which would be his. I I assume that's his throw day anyway. Um, so I don't know if he'll start Friday or maybe they bump him to Saturday or what they do. But that'll be a be another good measuring stick. But uh, playing good baseball. I mean, it's it's not the cleanest on the defensive side, and I think I've lamented that enough, but. Uh, the crazy thing about it is if you continue to score more runs than the uh, opponent, Paul, you win. Wow. How's that for some baseball insight for you? This is why you're El Rey de los Burros. What did they call you in Taiwan? Oh, man, I actually had something over there. It didn't mean anything, but it wasn't. <laughs> it, it was like my name, but not my name. Like it, it made the sound of my name, but it wasn't. I can't remember what it was. It was on my jersey. I don't know where. The, I had a shadow box with it at one point. I don't know where they're at. Probably it meant uh, it meant white stinky barbarian. Our translator was Tiger. <laughs> he was like three foot two, tiger. and his name was Tiger. That is a potent animal, Randy. Yeah. If you if you grind up their bones, it uh, increases your sexual performance. I'm not sure if you know that. I was not aware of that, but speaking of bones, uh, if you want to watch somebody eat a chicken wing and see a bone and nothing else, Tiger was the man. Taiwanese have a food culture. They get after I mean, that dude, it was nuts. Have you ever, did you, did you have sticky rice while you were there? I'm assuming. I did. Yeah. So, so the town that I was in, like I said, was an older fishing community. So down there, it was more traditional, like sticky rice, fish with the hell head, soups with the fish with the whole head all that good stuff uh there's a couple uh thai lies in thailand 
uh, places around. Um, but yeah, much more traditional down there. And then, you know, as you moved up to the northern end of the island, it was more, you know, quote unquote, modernized food. But yeah, there's some interesting, uh, interesting um, food choices. Uh, let's put it that way. Well, when you come from an ancient culture, which has experienced vast famine, you learn to sort of eat and cook everything. Um, Mao, conservatively, people think he starved 15 million Chinese to death, maybe 20, um, killed another 15 million in other ways. Um, you're going to learn to cook a duck foot and make it palatable yep. somehow. So yep. Taiwanese first, picked up on that. First chicken we bought at the grocery store, a little rotisserie chicken, still had the head on it, neck, all that stuff. I was like, oh, okay. Did you eat the that. head and neck? I did not. Huh. Did you cut it well, off? Should, and, should I have? You should have cut it off. And I ran through the streets holding it up. Like no, had it, Aztec had it warrior. Had it mounted. <laughs> yeah, that'd have been great. <laughs> had it, great. Had it stuffed sure. and mounted and put up on your wall. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so cool place. I'd, I'd, I'd go back again for sure. I, I, I enjoyed it there a lot. I'm glad you uh, were there before the invasion. Yeah, seriously. Did you uh, did you invest in any semiconductors? No, I didn't. But have you wait, have you been back to Texas recently? Uh sure. Yeah. In in and around the have you been anywhere near Taylor, where they're building the Samsung plant? Yeah, Taylor's like this bustling, hopping, the, thriving community now. The Samsung worksite is the dumbest thing that I've ever seen in my life. Really? Why? Tell it's me. It's like you, I mean, you think the Tesla plant when they were building the Tesla plant had some machinery. Like I want I just want to be the rental equipment guy for the Samsung plant. So I'm pretty sure he's gonna retire as soon as this job's over. Like I anytime I go up north, like I drive I purposely go out of my way to drive by there just to see. I mean, there there was like 47 cranes on site the other day. Whoa. I mean it's 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 a freaking like like I said, if you thought the Tesla plant was big, driving by it on 130, like anybody out there, if you're in the Taylor area, just go go swing by that that monstrosity. Is it's, it uh is it all semiconductors or, or what? Are they I don't know what there? they're doing out there. I mean, I, I know that's the focus, um, but hell, it's, I mean, it's right down the highway from the the new high school and all that stuff right there on that uh, that farm to market road that takes you back into kind of the Austinish area. But whoa, whoa, whoa. There's another high school in Taylor. It's the high school. Oh, the Ducks. Yeah, the, yeah, the new, oh, okay. the new, newer, I guess, newer high school. Oh, okay. But uh, no, it's it's a pretty pretty cool site. Like I said, the the I think the Tesla plant was kind of sort of the you know construction focal point around there for a while, and this thing makes it look small. Well, I will say this. Um, you can get a massive Tesla state-of-the-art plant up in Texas in about three months. And in California, you can't build a swimming pool in your backyard in, in two years with all the permits you got to pull and all the different stuff you got to do. Well, everything causes cancer over there too. So well, yeah, you got to be careful. Do you, I mean, so I was, I bought a, I bought a master lock the other day, like a padlock master lock. <laughs> So this is known to care. Are y'all eating these things over there? Or like, 
how how are we getting cancer from dialing a combination lock? Well, I'm not sure you know this, but everything has depleted uranium in it, Randy. Yeah, uh, apparently. And uh, that's oh, what I put gonna, in my. I'm going to I'm going to continue to lock my shit up. That's. <laughs> <laughs> If I, I die because of it, it's okay. I put depleted uranium in the back of my son's car. That was that was the weight I used. I was like, do I use tungsten or do I use depleted uranium? But, but yeah, yeah, building things over here has a little bit less red tape than than elsewhere. A, a tad, tad less. Uh, although uh, I do have to say on the positive side, I don't know if you know this, but it's pretty hard to cut down an old oak tree in Austin, Texas. If, if you're you know trying the, to. If, if you know the right people, you can get it done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you as you were you were correct, and that's why there's a. I won't get too far into the weeds because somebody's gonna come knock on my door. Well, just but know there, that there are there are people out there that there are, are people who will cut down your a tree and no people that that know people that you know maybe that tree might be disease ridden. You know, but it had it, it has oak wool that it, perfectly it, you know, green it, beautiful it, tree. You know, it it could be so. All right. And, and they, you they can may, also, yeah, it's, people, I've heard, I've heard it happens. People don't talk about it much, but you can cut down an oak tree at night and have it ground. I, hey, we, you, I mean, that, that's a thing, by the way. Yeah. Hey, there's going to be a brand new gym right here. What are we going to do with that tree? Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's hilarious. Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. Hey, I wanted to ask you actually, uh, like construction site theft was so massive, constant, and overwhelming in California that it was just like shocking the degree to which you just lose materials, everything. Some of that I heard in Colorado Springs. I was talking, because I live in a development where, where there's still a couple of new houses getting built. Mm. And they said, yeah, we've had some problems with it, but you know, we just, we said, actually, they said, actually our problem was we're so used to it not happening that we got very careless and we were leaving pretty valuable yeah. materials and that's what got stolen. Is, is that a thing for you? Is, is it a pretty significant issue? I, myself personally on my jobs, I've been pretty fortunate to where I've only run across it in isolated incident, incidences here and there. Um, I've heard stories from it, it, a lot of it happens more so uh, buddy of mine or buddies of mine that are kind of in the oil field on pad site construction yeah. and, and stuff like that, where they have connexes that back up to like open fields. Um, you know, they'll show up and, you know, they got the, the forklift or the backhoes parked in front of the connex. So nobody can get in the front. Right. And they'll move it and they'll open the connex and the back of it's just got a blowtorch, big old square out the back and everything's, and there's tracks out the back, you know, across the field or whatever. Uh, like I said, we, we've run into it here and there, but there, there for a while it was, you know, the copper and, and stuff like that. But I mean, man, I would say conservatively more times than not, it's probably somebody that was on the site as a day laborer that knew where stuff was. Yeah. Uh, more, more so than like people coming in and scoping stuff out. Um, but, but I've, I've been lucky. I haven't, I haven't had any major issues um, knock on wood uh, throughout the course of my time in the industry. You know, pieces of equipment here and there. I think I think we had a trailer, or, or not we, but you know, subs and stuff like that. Where, but I, like I said, my, you know, we we basically just. I mean, it's not our stuff unless it is. Um, but we we just sort of help them file the reports and stuff like that. But just hearing 
you know, hearsay around the site and, and, you know, in, in weeks following up, usually it's somebody that knew something was there as opposed to somebody that was just driving down the highway, like, Oh, Hey, let's pop in here real quick and see what's laying around. Yeah. I think, um, the copper wiring stuff is crazy. I, I yep. was, I was talking to a guy who, so I have a couple of CRE type investments. I was talking to a guy who was doing build to rent communities in Oklahoma. And while they were building these houses and they almost had them all built out because they built them all simultaneously for just sort of efficiency and economy. And while they, when they installed all the wiring, I'm sure it was someone on site that tipped it off. Someone came that evening and stripped every bit yeah. of copper wiring. Yeah, that's one of those like that. That's not, that can't be a coincidence, right? No, that's, but yeah, so. I was like, I was like, because I'm pretty ignorant. I was like, what's that worth? And he's like, a lot, a lot, like a uh, lot more a lot. than you think, because he's like, copper has a ton of industrial uses and it's it's pretty valuable. So yeah. anyway, hey, there's a little information, you guys. Any of you uh, non-handy city slickers like me, you didn't know that. You get, you get your, this is your job site story. Usually we rely yeah. on comedy, but this time there we did go. theft. And yeah, uh, this is, yeah, this is real life stuff. <laughs> this is real. This is real people. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Anything else we need to talk about? I don't think so. We'll jump back into football next time, but I'm good. We'll, well see what the, the Rodney Terry, Rodney Terry era holds. And I said, I think he earned it. Well, I'm, I said, hope he's the best basketball coach Texas ever had. 100%. And I honestly, uh, I don't know the guy. And everything I hear is he's a good guy. Seems, seems like a great dude. Yeah, easy to root for. Um, I think I think he'll continue to bring talent here. Like I said, I was, hopefully he, he continues to put it together and they get better and they stay competitive. Well, I will say the one thing, not to elongate this a little more, but uh, I love the minutes we got out of Arturio Morris and from Dylan Mitchell. In that game, we saw an aggression level out of Mitchell that we'd not seen in a while. Arturio dropped a couple of open threes, which yep. he's a physical freak. We know he can defend. He's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're adding a good recruiting class. And the portal is now a fixture in college basketball. So we're going to be talking to mid-majors. We're going to be talking to guys from Rice. We're going to be talking to guys transferring from other programs that are irritated with whatever. And they're gonna we're going to be able to point to Marcus Carr, who was considered basically, you know, a high volume guy on a loser team, right yep. at Minnesota and, and before that. Um, and then they turned him into a, you know, a basketball player. Uh, Timmy Allen, you know, stuck in sort of the small time at Utah, became a valuable guy. They can point to a bunch of dudes and say, we improved their games. We rounded off their games. Um, we've got a story to tell. And so no, I agree, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't know. People are saying, Oh, we're not going to be very good next year. I don't think you even know what our team's going to be next year. No, no, I mean, at this point you don't, right. I mean, you I, not to take anything away from if you get the guys back and you add the recruiting class, but you hit two guys in the portal, you're there. Yeah. And you're right. You know, you're right back where you were. And I don't, I don't know, you know, what the status is. I mean, there's a couple guys that, could be, you know, super senior type guys too. So no doubt. Be interesting. Be interesting to see. Interesting to see. And I think Morris and Campbell both have, or sorry, Mitchell, both have skill sets 
that they're a year, maybe two years away from just working on some aspects of their game that people tend to think that all improvement in a basketball player is sort of like, you know, a little slow curve. And it's like, no, no, no. Like I, as a little kid, I remember Akeem Olajuwon getting the U of H and he was just this raw dude that would foul out in 12 minutes. And then by his second year, you start to see the dream shake developing like the early stages of it. And then you're, and you're just like, Oh my God, this guy's so good. We take, you take Mitchell, for example, right? I mean, I mean, aside from him going to class, I mean, lock him in a gym yeah, and make him hit a thousand jumpers every day. You know, he's, he's one of those guys. I mean, you know, add that to the athleticism he has around the rim and he develops a, you know, whatever Timmy Allen type game for next year where he can knock down a little bit of a mid range or even a Bishop deal where, you know, he just, he can score around the hoop. I mean, it takes his game to a whole nother level. And and same thing with Morris, you know, if he just sort of taps in and becomes more consistent, you know, he can defend, you know, he can jump out of the gym Mitchell too. So be, I said it, it's a, it'll be interesting. I'm really, really fascinated to see how the, how the team takes shape moving to next year, I guess. Yeah, and that's going to be the ultimate test for – so people say, you know, what's a head, co- head coach do other than acquire talent, right, if he's got his bench coaches and all that. It's have a vision for the team yep. and sell guys on their roles, which is increased – it's always been difficult in basketball, but it's increasingly difficult now. Um, and that was one of the things that I really loved about this team is these guys bought into their roles, and there's no – there's no Timmy Allen sulking if he scored six points in the game and played 21 yep. minutes. And same for Hunter, you know, same for Marcus Carr. Uh, you know, the word on that Xavier guard who played for Terry at UTEP, right, boom, mm-hmm. was that he contacted us and Terry said, hey, you got to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to be like a 15 to 20 minute guy if you come here. You're not yep. going to be this focus and star. And he's like, whoa, you're like, I am the like, I am yeah. the star. And then they we played a tournament game where we showed them. He showed him why yeah. why he not have why been he would have been the role player. Yep. Yes. So you know, there's some of that, and there's a lot of ego. It's that's a tough thing to say. And so, you know, props to Dylan Mitchell and Arterio Morris for sticking around and keeping their head in the game. I'm sure they had dudes in their ear saying, "Oh, 100 percent, yeah." There's there's guys. Hey, what? Why are you? Why are you dealing with this? Right. Yep. But like I said. You know, one a good off season, they they improve their game a little bit. They could be the two best players on the team next year very easily. Well, if, if Dylan develops a little handle and a jump shot, who who can block his shot? No one. No one. Not in college basketball. I mean, the dude was hitting his head on the rim, blocking stuff or missing blocks. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's dumb. How, I mean, oh, you guys, mean the foul? That horrible yeah, foul he committed? Yeah, the, the horrible foul where he violated the basketball so hard. Yeah. But no, I mean that that guy's a freak, and and Morris is just so raw athletically i mean he i mean i, I think he can guard pretty much anybody yeah 100 percent, man well i don't think we have any great insights to uh share beyond what we did we, we we emptied our chamber here so uh that's gonna be the end of the podcast folks y'all please support our sponsors and hey i, I don't mention this enough and i should it really does mean a lot if you can go to apple itunes Write a five-star review. Write something nice. Uh, talk about El Rey de los Boros, <laughs> the legend. Talk about Tiger. Uh, whatever it is to let us know you're a listener. But it really does help us and uh, helps us get more listeners and keep the podcast going. All right. Anything to go, Randy? Anything else? No, sir. Hope All right. We are.
out of here. See ya. All right. Oh, we're still recording. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.